Hello, listeners. Welcome to Freelance Friday with Vay Casey, a podcast all about freelancing through the opinions and experience of a current full-time freelancer. Uh, today's episode is going to be a little bit different from the previous episodes, uh, and, and I'm kind of thinking about changing the format of the episodes a little bit where I'll start having people on for interviews more often than I have. Uh, pretty much the idea I think now is I'm going to start having people on for interviews for every episode. And as you may have noticed, if you've been following the show at all, um, this is the first episode to come out in a while. Part of that, I've just been working on some stuff in my personal life, kind of reevaluating stuff with the podcast and, and with a lot of things with business and, and whatnot. But um, the plan is to continue doing the podcast, though it's not going to be as frequent, at least for the time being. Um, my goal is to try to get out one a month and to get really good quality interview ease on the show versus just trying to put stuff out every week. Uh, originally, the intention or the thought was that uh, I would have people interacting with the, the show enough to be able to give me prompts on stuff to talk to. Unfortunately, that hasn't been the case, but that's okay. I really enjoy doing the show, and I feel like there's a lot of value added from it to, uh, to people that listen. And that there are people out there that need to hear this and want to hear this. And so the show must go on. Uh, but with that being said, I'm thinking about changing the show a little bit to where it's not so much uh, all about freelancing through the opinions and experience of a current full-time freelancer, but maybe um, a podcast all about freelancing through the opinions and experience of those that I interview on the show. So may toy around with a couple different taglines to open up the show with. Um, let me know if you have any inputs or suggestions or thoughts on this. Otherwise, I will just come up with it myself as I have so far, and I'm perfectly fine with that. Anyway, enough rambling today. Um, today's guest on the show is Keisha Whaley. And uh, Keisha, please forgive me if I pronounced your name, your last name wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's right. Keisha is owner of Brass Tax Collective, which I'll let her tell you a little bit about here in a minute. Um, but I met her at WeWork, which is a co-working space that I office out of here in Dallas, Texas. And uh, they share an office. Brass Tax Collective has an office, a couple offices right next to Recreation Dallas, the agency that I do a lot of work with. And so uh, just kind of getting to know Keisha a little bit and some of the people at Brass Tax, just brushing shoulders with them throughout the day here and there. I uh, felt like she would be a good person to have on the show. Um, and just knowing that she has a, a, a wide, a, a good background, a lot of experience in the creative world from working with agencies to being freelance, so on and so forth. Um, I figured I'd bring her on the show. So without further ado, let's talk to Keisha. So um, Brass Tax Collective is a teaching advertising agency. And, um, and I've been playing around with that, that term for a while because when I say it to people, they don't know what it means. And part of the reason that they don't know what it means is because we're the first one. So uh, there's, there's that kind of getting over that hurdle. Um, we offer a full year paid apprenticeship um, to people that are wanting to polish their skills and kind of get ready for a career in uh, graphic design and copywriting. Later, that'll be more opened up, but that's where it is now. Um, and part of uh, 
our, our business is, is, you know, focused on the training and kind of hands-on training while you're doing client work. The other part of the business is focused on the clients. Um, most of our clients, I would say about 90% are what I call high needs, low budget clients. So it's a lot of startups and nonprofits, um, people that are, otherwise kind of turned away from larger agencies. Um, they still need really high quality work, but they just don't have the dollars to get there. So we work um, with them and, and kind of adjust our pricing based on what they need and, and work with them and, and put the apprentices in the driver's seat to get the work done. I would imagine doing that allows, because with apprentices, they're probably not paying as much as they would for like... Um, a full on like staff member or like yeah. something like that. And so it probably was out of line and brings your overhead down so that you can not charge as much on the projects. And so it's ends up being this like win f- all the way around for everybody. Kinda. Definitely. Definitely. Cool. Yeah. It was, um, you know, I, I took a look at what industry standard rates are and then brought them down where I could, um, to be more approachable and at our, uh, you know, for for nonprofits and especially a nonprofit startup or an out of pocket client, our rate is less than half of what it would be if you went to an ad agency. And you still have, um, you know, you still have a creative director that has experience. You know, a, a good amount. I mean, myself, I have ten years of of professional experience. Um, you still have other people that are checking over the work, so you get all of the benefit of having people overseeing it and making sure it gets done. But nobody has to pay me an hourly rate. You know, if I was at an ad agency um, just for my time, it might be one hundred and fifty plus an hour, and that's at the lower end. So, um, you know, we don't we don't have that kind of pricing because it's not. It's not needed necessarily to do what we do in, in the way that we do it. The, the apprentices all get paid, but um, it's we're we're using the money. I mean, almost like a, a nonprofit would. It's it's all going where it needs to go, and right. there's a tiny bit of profit just to if anything goes down, we we have a cushion. Right, right. Um, you got to be able yeah. to keep things going. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what? That's really cool. I, 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 I kind of looked a, a little bit into what y'all did, but I, it's cool to hear from you considering it was your idea and like you kind of started it up and whatnot. Yeah. What, uh, um, what's your background coming into that? You said you have 10 years of design experience, yeah. professional, like what, how'd you get into that and what's yeah. that story? So when I was, um, when I was 16 is when um, my cousin was going through college in, in graphic design and I'd always been, I'd always paid attention to, um, design without knowing, you know, I was really critical of menus at restaurants and, uh, and looking at at packages at stores and being like, Oh, I want to, I want to buy that thing. I don't know what it is, but it has a cool box or something. And I I didn't really ever occur to me that somebody was behind that until he started, um, in it. And I was like, Oh, this, this is a job. This is an avenue. And, um, I'd been involved in all of the art forms, um, growing up. And the one that I, kind of saw, well, you know, with, with fine art, it's like you you either have to have really great marketing or you have to die for people to pay attention to your work. Um, and, and so it was like, okay, well, this is a way to be creative and to have an actual career. And I'm not the type of, I'm, I'm very kind of middle left brain, right brain. So it was also a way for me to work within parameters, which is one thing that I didn't like about fine art is there were no parameters. I want to know, you know, where I have room and then I want to go in between there. And that's kind of, I think what made me, um, a good designer starting out. Um, so I fully focused all the way in, um, started, uh, 
teaching myself and having my cousin teach me graphic design, even when I was in high school and they didn't have a program for it, um, going into college and, and knowing at that point that I wanted to do web design. Um, it was just, everything was like set, set my sights on it and go for it, um, at that point. And, um, so I had a, uh, I had my, my first internship was with a company called IMC Squared. And I decided that's where I was going to be. Like that's, that was my dream company. I was going to be there, um, after the, the internship. And so I went back when I graduated, actually five months before I graduated is when I started calling them and kind of harassing them about, I'm going to move to Dallas when I'm done. I, I'm originally from Oklahoma, so I was going to OU and, uh, I started calling them and, and showed up for an interview about five months early. And, <laughs> um, they, it took them six weeks to hire me after I moved here. And I was, I, that was everything that I wanted and such a learning experience, not just in my job, but also they allowed me to explore other things. They allowed me to be in charge of things, um, be involved in, in conversations that maybe some of the other people my age were not involved in. Um, I advanced pretty quickly from intern and, and junior level designer to senior designer in about three years and, um, was in a really good place. And then the company started to have some issues and there were, uh, you know, there were layoffs. And at one point I was part of that and there was a grieving process. Um, and I decided to do a complete 180 and go for much smaller. It was pretty big. Um, you know, when I came in, there were about 500 people. So um, I went to a company, a small PR firm, which PR is very different from ad agency world, and um, found that there, those, that industry, that size, all of those things come with their own challenges. And so I learned a different aspect. Um, where I'd been involved in conversations of a company that had been around for 15 years. Now I was being involved in conversations for a company that was four years old. Actually, I think just three whenever I started. And um, started seeing some potential to align interns and, and kind of what an intern needs with what a company needs from them as an entry level, you know, they, if you apply for an entry level job or you look at, look at descriptions for an entry level job, they want one to two years experience. Very hard to get it unless you know somebody. So, um, you know, I wanted, I wanted to try to resolve that. And then also there are so many businesses here that, um, you know, we have over 28,000 nonprofits in North Dallas alone and, um, and startups are constant. Otherwise, you know, we work and, and all of the other, uh, co-working spaces wouldn't be full like they are. Um, so I saw these two areas and, and at first my thought was, okay, how do I, how do I get this, you know, PR firm or really anywhere that I'm working to prioritize these two things and, and bring them together. And then after a while it was like, no, I, I think I have to do that by myself. And so thus brass tacks started to be born, but that was the whole path leading up to it was, um, you know, I see something, I want to go there, I want to do that. And then and then learn after you're there. You know, I didn't, I didn't go into anything saying, oh, well, I know I want to own my own business. Quite the opposite. I didn't want to do that at all. And I didn't go in saying, you know, oh, I want to build intern or apprenticeship program or, you know, I want to, I want to deal with this. It was something that was on my mind being an intern and being a college student. Um, but I didn't, I didn't quite know how that was going to shape up and working for, uh, 
nonprofits and everything that actually started at the first agency I was at. They, they kind of prioritized that and it fell apart when people, um, start being able to, to, uh, choose whether or not they want to be involved in, in that kind of work and their choice is going to be to be involved in work that makes money. So, right. You gotta pay bills. Yes. Which I, I, I and, totally and, get. I totally get. Yeah. And that's why I had to find a way to do both. That's really cool. Very admirable. Um, have you ever done any freelance work? It sounds like all your stuff has been more with like companies or agencies and kind of stuff. Yeah. I was doing freelance work when I was at those companies. Um, when I first got involved with nonprofits and I was working with them through the agency, there, there continued to be needs and I didn't want to leave them, you know, on their own. So I, I started doing some freelance work for them just to help support. And it was, it was kind of scattered, you know, it was here and there when they needed stuff. Um, when I went to the PR firm and really wanted to, um, have this newly found passion of kind of doing good with my design work. That's whenever the freelance started to pick up more and more. So I was, I had a full-time job and then I was working in the evenings just to do this stuff for people that I really cared about organizations that I, um, you know, I wanted to give my time and effort to. And, um, and I, I, they started, you know, making some budget for that. So it didn't have to be all free work, which was great. You know, it, it made it, where I would prioritize, you know, right. <laughs> and, uh, and get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once I, once I kind of had the idea for the company, I didn't have a whole team of people just ready to jump in. So the first year of brass tax was really freelance. Um, it was, it was me in my apartment working all the time. Um, and then a couple of people kind of joined in and, and they were working freelance with me. And so that, that even brought me from being my own everything for everybody to add into that. I'm now a manager for these other people and, uh, and learning what that's like. And that was, that was a whole thing, but you know, all the, all the roles that have to be filled, whether you're completely freelance by yourself or you're freelance with a couple of other people, those are, those are things that you're not, taught until you have to do them. You know, it's business development, it's project management, it's account management, it's, um, accounting and bookkeeping. It is, um, it's not all like design and fun stuff. No, no. And (laughs) that's exactly why I didn't, you know, I, I said when I came out of college, I don't want to freelance and I don't want to own my own shop. And here I am. I had to, I had to freelance to own my own shop and, and I didn't, I couldn't see any way around it. I had to do it. Um, in order to in order to do what I feel like I need to. So the apprentices that you have working with you, um, most of them come in and they they tend to be looking more for a, like an avenue towards freelance stuff, or is it more towards like working with other companies, or when what are they typically looking for when they come in? Yeah, when when they first start. Um, it's pretty funny because everyone in their interview, they just, they know what they want to do, right? They're like, oh, I definitely want to do UX, UI. And uh, you know, my dream agency is this one or, you know, whatever it is. They, they all come in the door with something different, but they're all very sure about it. And then in their first week, their first week, we're doing evaluations and we're talking about, um, you know, playing up their strengths and here are the clients and they're, they're starting to see kind of what's out there. And then it immediately changed just to, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, 
we had one, this, this um, term that stayed with the idea that he wanted to be a freelancer and kind of start up his own thing for about four months until we started having more conversations about what all's involved in that. And, um, and then he sort of turned that around to maybe I need to work some places first and, and gain some um, perspective before I jump up on my own. I do think that that's important. You know, if you haven't ever worked for somebody else, then you kind of, you're not sure what all goes into. Um, well, I guess I shouldn't just say working for somebody else because it's not even just that. You have to, you have to observe what's going on in order to know how to apply it to yourself. So if you have no frame of reference, then things like business development and the, the account side and all those things are kind of outside of your peripheral. Um, so I do think it's best to have something to refer to, or maybe even if you had a really great mentor or coach that could be, you know, alongside you, because otherwise those things will enter your mind until yeah. they're a problem. And it's not even that you're like intentionally neglecting them. It's just like, no. it's literally something that you've never like, never thought, never about, thought about. No. What, uh, if you're talking to somebody, it's considering freelancing or starting out that it is like, yeah. what do you, th- what are those th- things in your mind? Um, read everything. Um, I had, I had a bunch of books. Um, I got business model generation and, um, the lean startup and all those things. And and so I was reading about how to go about these things. I am personally terrified of legal repercussions. So I made sure I got lawyers and was like, I need you guys to draft my contracts. Um, I, I filed, um, for the LLC with a, with an attorney because we're kind of in two camps of advertising and education. I just wanted to make sure I did it right. So in all those things, it's like, make sure that you, at the very least that you are talking to other people and kind of asking what are those things. Um, reading is great because there's a lot in there, but there are things that even they're going to skip over or maybe it's not that they're skipping over it, but a lot of what's out there is not made for people in a creative freelancing field. You know, when they, when they talk about, you know, starting out on your own, a lot of them are in some kind of finance world or, um, you know, or writers. And, and that's kind of the closest to creative that I can find is, is, um, there's a lot writer to writer. Um, and that's awesome. But then you have the whole world of, art and film and music and all of these things that don't fit the same type of, of rules of, of copywriting or, um, creative writing. So yeah, I just, I, you have to, you have to consult outside. It can't just be like, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do today and I'll just Google it and there'll be a five minute tutorial. It's not that simple. I wish it was. It's yeah, not that simple. Yeah, that'd be really nice. Mm-hmm. Be yeah. A lot less uh, of a headache in my life. Yeah. All the the whirlwind things. Yeah. Um. I think like for me, there's been a lot of like a lot of things that I didn't think about for starting out was like cost of doing business. Oh yeah. And how to like calculate mm-hmm. what I need to be charging, and it was yeah. just kind of almost like going like kind of almost like picking a number. Like uh, I think. Like this is a good, this is a good number. I'll I'll charge this for it. And, uh, even after I started learning about like calculating costs of doing business and figuring out that and, and like going that route, even still for like probably close to two years, I had a really hard time sticking to pricing Mm -hmm. because I didn't fully grasp why I needed to. Oh yeah. And then like taxes started coming along and like all this different stuff. And then like, Oh, I need 
I need a lot more money for all these other things yeah. that I didn't ever like think about. There's, there's a lot, um, on the checklist and then there's yeah. inflation. The fact that all prices are going to go up the next year and you have to account for that. Um, yeah. Oh, it's so much. And I'm, I am such a, um, like squishy hearted person. I mean, when I was babysitting at 11, I would say I charge $5 an hour, but I can do two fifty if that's a problem. Like I was already talking myself down <laughs> right. before they said anything. And, um, and so with starting out is the same thing with, with my pricing. It was like, well, you know, I could probably do this. You know, when you have a job, you could do it for whatever you wanted to. So, um, it, when you, if you're freelancing with a full-time gig, you, you do whatever you feel like, um, Right, and it's, you it's, it's extra, anything. like, it's, you're not, if you have, like, a, a fixed income or an income from another source, yeah. like, you're not worried about it so no. much. It's like, it's like monopoly money. Yeah. We'll just do whatever, you know. And then um, once you get to where that's, that is everything, um, you start watching the dollars a lot more, being like, okay, I know that this equipment, or if I need to, um, you know, rent a studio or anything that you have to do outside, those are hard costs and they, they will not be moved because those outside vendors are not interested in your big heart and they, you know, they have their own bills to pay. So you have to, you have to look at that and then you have to look at just the, the equipment that you have, the things that you have, subscriptions and, uh, the subscriptions. <laughs> I know there was a point in time where that wasn't a thing. Um, no, and then you have, to, you have to look at, at one-time costs. It's not just, you know, you still have to split it across the 12 months. That was something that a, that a bookkeeper said to me, and I was like, that makes so much sense because I'm thinking about, well, right now I need $100 for a sketch license, but really I need to split that across because if I put that on a credit card, then I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be paying that off for a while. Every month. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to think about with the cost of doing business. And then you have to, you have to make something on top of it because there will be lean months. I, I don't think that there are any people that I know of, um, freelance or otherwise that don't have lean months. So you have to have something there for it. It's going to happen. Yep. What's your plan? It always does. <laughs> it's it does. always up and down. It does. It's always like really busy mm-hmm. or really not busy, Mm -hmm. never like smooth. Right. And when it's really busy and you're making all that money, you find out really creative ways to spend it. You're like, (laughs) you know, I saw, I saw this lens or I saw this really great, you know, plug in. I just need that. Right. If I did that and then did five jobs at X amount, then Mm -hmm. I could pay for that. And then, oh yeah, I could totally, yeah, I totally totally do that. I could totally do that. And work's going great right now. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next month it drops off and you're not getting any of the work you right. thought you were with like, a new gear. Cool. I'm so glad I bought that thing that I can't <laughs> even use now because there's nothing to do. So what do you think is like top like, I don't know, like five things that a new freelancer should know about? Mm. Like if you said these are the like five most important things that you probably won't think about. Taxes is the first thing that comes to mind because I think people always, um, they have this. They have this idea that yes, I'll have to pay taxes at some point, but the it's it's so far ahead that they don't think to save or put anything aside for it. Um, that's that's a big one. It. I I can't even say I was ever good at it. I wasn't. I wasn't good at saving for that. It was always you know when it came down to it, it was like now I have to file an extension because I have to deal with the taxes. So that's the first thing. The second thing um, is the contracts, you know, you, you need to have contracts with the people that you're working with or working for. Um, and that is 
of course, it's it's the CYA kind of rule, but also um, it puts some legitimacy behind what you're doing. If if you're freelancing and nobody has an agreement, nobody, you know, it's just every now and again, I send an invoice or, you know, whatever, then they take you a little bit less seriously. And so the, the reason for paying you becomes a little bit less. So everything that you can do to make yourself look professional, buttoned up, legitimate, and, um, and like you're thinking into the future about how this relationship is going to go and, and how it's going to be whenever it wraps up, all of that's really good. So taxes, contracts, um, have a separate bank account <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, uh, and, and possibly even a separate bank. And I've got to say, I've worked with really big banks and I am so disappointed in really big banks. I think the smaller banks um, do a lot better for small businesses or for freelancers or anybody that's self-employed because they can actually spend some time with you and um, go through everything with you, answer your questions. They have more at stake because their own salaries and bonuses are dependent on the business that they're doing, so they have to treat you well. Um, big banks don't have that kind of risk. So if they lose a small budget client, then they don't, they don't really care. Um, they spend a lot less time with you. They also, you know, anybody that answers the phone may not even know all that much. They'll answer a question, you'll call back two days later, and you'll get a completely different answer. Um, I don't know. It's just it's been it's been kind of disheartening going through it, but I'm I am glad to know that um, after changing to you know three banks, big banks, and being like, okay, these are I'm, I'm having the same experience with all of these, and then talking to my other friends that have small banks as their business banks, and they love them and like know not only the person that they're working with, but like their family and everything. I'm like, okay, fine. I, I so think. what was like what were the things that you were going to them? Like to, to the bigger banks, and you were that you were looking for that you weren't f- finding. Um, so I, when I when I first um, started the business and, and got the account, my expectation was that they were going to be interested in helping you grow your business with financial advising. That was the first thing, um, because it's what they put on everything. They're like, we have a financial advisor that will go through and you know help you. Blah blah blah. Um, that didn't happen. That never happened. I never even worked with the same person twice. Uh, the person that opened my account was not the person that answered my first question, was not the person that I met with whenever I came in and was, was having, um, you know, complications setting everything up. And, um, and when I, when I did, um, finally decide to like look at a line of credit and a credit card and everything and and looked at a different one, it was kind of the same deal. The, The person that got me started and was like, call me anytime, you know, I'll be here to help you never answered his phone or emails again. And, um, and I just got passed around from person to person until I finally just got fed up and closed the account. And then third bank, kind of the same deal. I was working with somebody for a while, but they were, they were kind of few and far between with their communications back and the process of, um, getting approved had actually happened. And it was another like six weeks before I, I even knew about it, that it was approved. And it was like, oh yeah, Hey, by the way, this got approved a while back. Like, do you do you want the line of credit? Do you need anything out of it? And I'm like, well, now I kind of don't want to. Because <laughs> oh, wow. there's this whole thing. I mean, it's just, that was that was kind of the big um, push for me to start looking for an alternative that wasn't just another big bank. Because my, my fear was that you go to a small bank and there might be a problem, they might fail. But we're, um, I mean, there's, there's a good chunk of them that have been around for a, a good amount of time. They don't seem to be going anywhere. And... Um, you know, they they would be, they are going to be more 
invested in that process. Because like I said, if, if a big bank loses a small client, they don't care. But if a small bank loses a small client, that's still probably a big chunk of their, you know, what they have, their assets. Yeah, every little bit counts. Mm -hmm. All right, what else you got? Okay, um, so that was three. Uh, insurance. Insurance was something I, I, you know, it got, got mentioned to me that you need to have business insurance. And it was when I was still living in my apartment. I was like, why? Like, I have renter's insurance, so what do I need to cover that's for the business? And then even being explained all the different types of business insurance that there are. You know, there, there are things specifically set for a tech or internet-based company for when you're doing websites for people. If anything happens, you're not on the line for it. Um, workers' compensation, when you're building a team... Um, and you're like, well, but you know, every, most people are contractors. Do I need workers comp? Yeah, you do. And, uh, so there were, there were a lot of things that came from that. Um, and then also thinking about health insurance and at what points you can offer it and at what levels, what you can do for people. So, um, but even just being on my own, I had to think through insurance in a way that I hadn't before. Um, it also gave me much more appreciation for my former employees that, I mean, not employees, employers that, uh, provided insurance for me because I didn't I, even thinking about the company that was like 500 people. I can't even imagine what their bill was like. Oh man. Yeah. I, <laughs> it blows my mind thinking about that with bigger companies. Yeah. especially. And it was all web-based, you know, and we had tons of computers and equipment and, and just the, I, I don't even know what it was. I'm sure it wouldn't turn me green just enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So that's for yep. number five. Um, especially for a freelancer, but also for anybody that's, that's getting started and in, in doing their own thing, whatever it is, uh, self-care. So, um, I, I don't see many people getting very much sleep. I didn't get very much sleep for a long time. Same. Yeah. And sleep is so important. Um, eating well and not just eating when you can and whatever's closest. Um, making sure that you're taking time. I, I, Ended up, um, you know, I had, I had a chiropractor. I would go see a chiropractor once a week. I still do. But um, I added on massage once a month, which I thought was overly indulgent and unnecessary, but it was so necessary just for keeping kind of a little level of sanity and some, uh, you know, there's so much stress and tension. Like, that was really helpful. Um, uh, I have a therapist. I love my therapist. I, um, I, I think that we have tons of tons of stigma over mental health in general but I don't understand why like why we have that whenever it's you know your physical health we don't have that kind you of go to the doctor if yeah, you have a problem yeah, yeah. If, I, if I have checkups or whatever nobody cares but if I say that I'm going to my therapist they're like oh are you okay I'm like I'm awesome I'm going to make sure I'm okay I'm, yeah I'm just it's this funny is, I say that I've never actually been to one yeah well I I mean I think it's but like I've heard people were three years yeah but it's great. I mean, it's not, you know, we don't, we don't go in every time and unpack my deepest feelings from when I was three and I didn't get the present that I wanted for my birthday. I mean, we could have, I guess, but, um, part of what we talk about is business and starting like, she has her own business too. And it's that, I mean, it, but we talk about kind of what that means and the pressures of that and uh, what you have to think about and through and, um, you know, and we can talk about, my mom or my whatever is going on. Um, I actually got a therapist because of stress management. I knew I needed to do something because I was finding that I was not only stressed, but I was becoming 
forgetful. I was, um, you know, my mind would, would just blank out at different points. Um, there have been times where I've, I've had that since then. And I've gone back to her and been like, okay, what's, what's the new thing? Cause you know, if, if my like breathing techniques or focus or, you know, making lists, if I, if I write a list and can't remember where I put it, like that's, <laughs> we're, we're reaching some other kind of point now, now what do I do? Um, you make a list of where you keep your lists. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it, the memento has become so real to me now. <laughs> it's like, where can I put this that I won't forget it? I'm going to have to write it on my body. So, um, but yeah, I think I think uh, anything that you need to do for self-care is so necessary. And it's the one thing that I think we tell ourselves that we can't do when we're in that. I don't have time for it. I don't have the money for it. I don't have the space for it. You know, whatever whatever the reasons are, there are things that you can do that still care for yourself that are free and they can be done in a small amount of time and, um, you know, in a small amount of space. Whatever it is, I, I think you have to find those ways because um, if if you burn out, <laughs> then what happens? Um, not to say that you could never have another job or anything. It's not it's not all over after that. But it's it's just you know you things are definitely a lot more reliant on you being able to yeah. consistently keep going. Yes, yeah, they are. Cool. Well, anything else mm-hmm. before we wrap up? Uh, I don't know. I'm things always occur to me all the time as I hear people's conversations and I, I think about, um, what I went through. I, I guess one of the things I would say is, um, not to isolate. It's so easy to isolate when you're freelancing or when you're, when you're starting something new. Um, and it is going to be kind of lonely anyway, because what you're doing, most likely the people around you, your friends and your family are not doing that or haven't done it. They can't relate. And you're not working for a company, so you're probably working by yourself a lot. Yeah, yeah. At least I do. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of isolation that comes in it. Um, I kind of know people that, uh, at the very least, work from home. Um, when you when you say hi to them, and then their whole life story comes rambling out, uh, you know? And yeah, <laughs> you're like, like, you need to be around people right, a little right. bit more. Right, right. This is my first human contact this week. Please talk to me. Um, <laughs> Yeah. But, but in addition to that, you know, you, you go through these, um, these small victories. Like I remember whenever I got set up with, um, the time management system that we use and I was so excited about it. Cause I was like, we got it. And it's like, the price is good and it works really well. And I'm trying to like tell everybody about it and nobody cares because nobody can be excited about that. They're like, it's a time management system. Like, I don't want to, what? Okay. I'm happy for you that something named Trello or something named Avaza exists. Like, I don't know what to do with that. Um, don't be defeated in those moments that they can't be excited for you in those ways, but know that there are other people out there that can be. So don't isolate. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much everybody for listening. Hope you got a lot out of today's episode with Keisha. It's very obvious after talking to her that she definitely has a lot of experience and knows what she's talking about when it comes to business and freelance and running an agency and uh, so on. If you enjoyed this episode, the show, or any of the other episodes, would you uh, do me a favor, please? Go on iTunes and leave me a rating, review, let me know what you think. Um, also, would be I'd love to hear from you on Facebook or Instagram, anywhere on social media. If there's anybody that you feel would be good for me to bring on the show to interview to talk about freelancing or just business in general, feel free to tag them in any of my posts. 
email me their information. There's lots of ways you can get in touch with me on the web. And uh, until next time, have a good one. Freelance Friday is a Vacacy production. Vacacy is a full-service video production company based in Dallas, Texas. Vacacy, big video production value, freelance agility and scale.